Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And like I always say at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable and welcomed and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we're glad you're here. Christmas is officially one week away. Yes, Christmas is next Tuesday. And so uh, obviously we will not be having service next week or the week after because of New Year's. And so we're gonna be taking a two-week break after tonight. This is our last service of the year. And so that's exciting. Um, And so we're gonna be back on January 8th for a night of worship, which is gonna be incredible. Uh, We actually have something a little special in store for the night of worship. And so make sure you are here on January 8th. Bring some friends. It's gonna be awesome. So let me ask you, uh, who has to travel for Christmas? Anybody? All right, how, like, where? Tell me. Michigan, Texas, Asheville. All right, so, <laughs> okay. All right, so who has to travel the, the farthest? So Michigan is pretty far. Texas is pretty far. Is that, anybody else? That's, that's about, okay. No one's farther than those two. All right, Michigan, Michigan's pretty, Michigan's cold. Michigan's, who said Michigan. Oh, okay. Is that where you're from? Is you, are you from? Or you've got family up there? Nice. Yeah. Michigan, man. There's a lot of lakes up there. So I've heard. So cool. Well, uh, I've wanted this, this month at Genesis to be a little bit more lighthearted, a little more laid back. And so I hope that you guys have enjoyed this month. Um, and so I've wanted to keep the messages simple yet challenging. And so we're concluding a series tonight called I Told You So, which is, uh, we've been taking Old Testament prophecies about the birth of Jesus and then seeing how they've been fulfilled in the New Testament story of his birth. And so if you would, go ahead and turn to to Matthew chapter two. And while you're doing that, I'm gonna get you up to speed. Um, In week one, we saw the, the Virgin Mary conceive and give birth to Jesus. And we saw how the story of God is often shaped by people who say yes to the unusual. And then last week we saw the wise men's visit to the, uh, the baby Jesus and how their gifts shined a light on the purpose of Jesus's life. And, and we said that, that our talent, our passion, uh, is a window to God's will for our life. And, and this week we're gonna move into part of the story of the birth of Jesus that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Um, we're gonna see two prophecies get fulfilled. So here are, the two, here are the two prophecies for tonight. The first one is from the book of Hosea, written uh, roughly 700 years before the birth of Christ. And this is what it says. This is Hosea 11, one. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And the second is from the book of Jeremiah, written about 600 years before the birth of Christ. This is Jeremiah 31.15. It says, thus says, thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. And so we're gonna see both of these come into play tonight. So if you would, pray with me and then we will jump in. God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for, for bringing us here, uh, God, as a, a body of believers. And so God, I pray tonight that your voice would speak louder than my own. God, I thank you that the, the heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not. And so, God, I pray that you would speak tonight, that this word would not fall on deaf ears, but instead fertile hearts and open hearts. So, God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here tonight. In Jesus' name, if you agree with me, say amen. Awesome. So we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And we left off the, we left the story at the point where 
The wise men have been told in a dream to go home another way, to avoid King Herod. And so let's read and find out why. This is, this is Matthew 2, 13 to 15. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. So we see that the, the wise men left and went home another way to avoid King Herod. And after they do, Joseph gets a visit from an angel in a dream and the angel tells him to get up, take his family away to Egypt and stay there until he was told to do otherwise. And the reason was because King Herod was about to search for Jesus to try to kill him. So Joseph did as he was told and took off for Egypt. And I've said this the last couple of weeks, but I'm gonna say it again for what it's worth. I'll throw it out there once again. Sometimes when you read the Bible, a lot happens and you don't get many details about it. And so there's a lot going on here between the lines. And so I wanna take a moment and put this into perspective for us. So Joseph gets a, a visit from an angel and this is the second time that we've seen that happen. The first time the angel came with good news, right? That you're gonna have a son and call him Jesus. He's gonna save people from their sins. And then now this angel has come a second time and he didn't come with good news. He came with bad news. He said, listen, Joseph, I know you've got a small child. I know you've got a, a newborn and you've got this awesome visit from these, these men who worshiped him and brought him gifts but unfortunately, I need you to uproot your family. I need you to, to leave your comfort, leave your, your job and your income and travel far away for an indefinite amount of time. And from where they currently were, Egypt was about 400 miles away. And you have to remember, they didn't have Hebrew Hondas or anything like that. And so they were traveling at best on a donkey. And traveling with an infant is difficult to say the least, we took our uh, one-month-old to Columbia a couple weeks ago, and it was stressful. It was stressful. They have to eat every couple of hours, and so you have to time things right, and you have to bring extra clothes and, and extra diapers, and it's a lot to make happen. And we were coming back the same day, and we actually have a Honda, and it was stressful. This little family of, of Jesus, Joseph, and Mary were, were having uh, where we're traveling to Egypt for this indefinite amount of time, away from Joseph's job, away from their family, away from their hometown, obeying what they had been told by this angel. Joseph and Mary were being stretched. And about this time, King Herod realizes that he's been deceived by the wise men. And so let's keep reading and see what happens. This is the, this is the next three verses. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that they had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And so here we see that Herod's feelings and his insecurities get the best of him, and we knew that he felt threatened and intimidated by Jesus' birth, but once he realizes that he's been tricked by the wise men, 
It sends him over the edge. And so in an effort to kill Jesus, he commands that all male children under the age of two were to be killed. And he believed the only way to kill the one that he wanted dead was to kill them all. And we see this prophecy fulfilled that was from Jeremiah. And the woman, Rachel, that's mentioned in the prophecy was, was basically just like this matriarch of Israel. Everyone, that, everyone of the Jewish faith was, uh, had descended from her and another woman named Leah. And so that's who it's referring to. And so this was a terrible, disgusting act of evil done by King Herod, an act of mass murder, an act of genocide. And I believe this, this act of evil, in a way, was a, a, a huge example, a massive example of the depravity and the sinfulness and corruption of this world. And to think that this was the world that Jesus chose to come to. And we know what it's like to, to live in a world full of sin and corruption. We, we see it and hear about it every day, from CNN to, to Fox News to the White House to uh, protest to white supremacy to sex trafficking. No matter where you look, there is brokenness and there is pain and there is evil and there's hate. And we are more aware of this than any generation before us. We see the posts, we, we see the tweets, we, we see the videos, we see the news. And so, yeah, sure, this time of year we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the realities of this world, the reality of, of what we just read should make us look not only to the birth of Jesus, but to the return of Jesus. The day when he doesn't come as this little baby in a little manger in a little town, but instead comes in full glory and full power. The day when every tongue confesses and every knee bows that Jesus is Lord and confesses that Jesus is Lord. The day, the day when, when he comes to defeat evil in this world forever, to wipe away every tear, to end suffering and pain for good. And so we see why these these verses, why in these verses, why Jesus had to get out of Bethlehem. And so let's keep reading. We're gonna see how this is gonna apply to us tonight. So this is uh, the next five verses, starting in verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So we see King Herod eventually dies, and an angel appears to Joseph in a dream to tell him that it was okay to go back home. And, and on their way, they, they heard that Herod's son, whose name was Archelaus, had actually taken over in place of his father. And so because of that, they was afraid to go back and actually get another visit from an angel in a dream. Uh, and so that's four times now that Joseph has got visited in a dream by an angel. Um, at this point, I'm sure that it was not even strange to him anymore. You know, like me and this angel are basically friends at this point. He keeps showing up in my dreams. He keeps coming to me while I'm sleeping. And so this time, the, the angel warns him about Archelaus. And so they leave for Galilee, and they end up in a town called Nazareth, which is where the prophets, where God had said he would live. And so in summary of the events that we saw in this story tonight, God had used Herod, God had used Egypt, and God had used Archelaus to get Jesus exactly where he wanted him. 
And so he had divinely orchestrated and divinely coordinated and used all of these events to get Jesus to Nazareth. God had used the stretching to place Jesus right at the center of his will. And I believe that a story like this can speak so clearly to us tonight, especially as as we are drawing close to the end of the year, maybe we're looking back at what 2018 had to offer us, um, good things, maybe bad things, maybe. And I believe that as young adults, we, we face circumstances that oftentimes we don't understand. And we may wonder why we had to walk through a certain event or, or have to encounter a certain person. And I would say for a young believer, what I'm about to say is one of the most important things that you can do in your walk with God. One of the most important things that you can do in your walk with God is to learn how to identify God's hand in the midst of your struggle. One of the most important things you can do in your walk with God is to learn how to identify God's hand in the midst of your struggle. And I believe that this story is an example in scripture where we can get a glimpse of how to do that. And so just as God used Herod and used Egypt and, and Archelaus to get Jesus where he wanted him to, meet, to be, God uses people and places to get you exactly where you need to be. So let me ask you tonight, who are the Herods in your life? Where are the Egypts in your life? Where have you been stretched? Who has stretched you? Are you being stretched right now? Maybe you've got some, some faces and some places popping up in your mind people who have stretched you, people who have may, may have shaped you for, for better or for worse, places and people who have led you to this exact moment. God uses those people and those places to put you directly in the center of his will. And so no matter who you are tonight, we've all had these, these seasons of stretching. We've had people who have stretched us. We've had places that have stretched us, experiences and seasons of life that have stretched us. But here's the truth I want you to hear tonight. There is blessing in the stretching. There is blessing in the stretching. The good news is that there is new growth when you get pushed past your limits. That there is new strength when you find yourself weak. That there is new joy that can be found when you endure pain. There is blessing in the stretching because it's the stretching that makes us useful for the kingdom of God. The stretching is what makes us more like Christ. So God uses the pain. He uses the difficult circumstances. He uses the tough times, the stretching, to make us more like Jesus. He uses the Herods and the Egypts in our lives to refine our hearts, to make us more like Jesus. I want you to to think about it this way. So my grandpa worked for NASA at the time of the moon landing. And so uh, he helped build the rocket and a lot of cool stuff like that. And so he's got all these cool stories. And so uh, he, ha- he has a lot of space and rocket memorabilia in his house. And so growing up, he told me a lot about rockets and space travel and all of that. And so you probably know this, but, but when a rocket goes into space, it leaves the earth in one piece. But the higher that it goes, as it goes through the different levels of the atmosphere, it starts shedding pieces of itself. It breaks off the stages And it does that so that it's light enough to go the distance that it needs to go. And so it's the same way in our lives. 
that we start walking with God and we are in one piece, but then all of a sudden life starts to get a little hard and God uses that circumstance to shed something off. And then something else happens. A a, a Herod walks into our life. A, A difficult person walks into our life. God uses that to shed another piece. We end up somewhere like Egypt, somewhere we may not want to be, and God uses that to shed another piece. And so it's because he wants us to no longer hold on to the old life, to the flesh, to the old person that we once were. And so here's something for you to remember tonight. If you wanna go further, you gotta get lighter. If you wanna go further, you gotta get lighter. God uses the stretching. He uses the events in our life, the Herods and the Egypts, to mold us and shape us and create us into who he has called us to be. And a lot of times that requires us getting things shed off of us. If you wanna go further, you gotta get lighter. If you wanna go further, you gotta get lighter. And so I hope that this shifts your perspective on your life a little tonight. That no, no event, no moment in your life is wasted by God. That the places and the people who may have burned you, who may have hurt you, he can turn them around for the good. He can use that to make you more like Christ. He can turn the stretching into blessing. He uses all those things to refine our hearts. And so now when you look back at your, your life so far, you can, you can stop wondering why God may have let something happen. Maybe you can stop questioning God about why he let something happen and instead say, God, how are you gonna use this? Instead of saying, God, why? Say, God, how? How are you gonna use this? And now when you look at your life in the present, currently, maybe you can see more clearly why you're in a certain place with certain people. And then when you look forward, maybe you're looking forward to 2019, whatever is ahead, the future, you can say, all right, God, whatever comes my way, I know I can trust you because I know you're not gonna waste a single thing that comes my way. You're gonna use everything for the good to make me more like Jesus. So, I'm gonna go ahead and invite the band to come back up. If you guys would, stand with me. We're gonna move into a time of worship. And I want you to hear tonight that, just like we read in the story of Jesus' birth, that God uses the Herods and the Egypts to locate us right at the center of his will. And that there is blessing in the stretching. And if we wanna go further, we gotta get lighter. And God uses all things to do that. So let me take a moment, let me pray. As we respond, I would encourage you to think back, maybe what this year has contained, what this year has held for you, and to know that none of it's gonna be wasted, that none of it's gonna get thrown away. Maybe this was a year of shedding for you. Maybe this was a year of, of getting rid of some of those stages, getting a little bit lighter. Whatever it is for you, know that God's not gonna waste a single event in your life. So let me take a moment, let me pray for you. We'll respond in worship. God, I thank you so much for tonight. And God, I thank you that, that you use all things, just like your word says, to make us more like Christ and you use all things to work together for good. So Lord, as we come to the close of a year or, or come to the, the end of a season of life, God, that may have been stretching. God, I pray that we would see the blessing in that stretching, to see that there is new joy in the midst of pain, that there is new, new strength when we were weak. And God, I know that if we are being stretched right now, God, I pray that we would not lose hope in the midst of it, 
But instead, God, we would hold on to you and trust you, God, that you are going to use this to make us a little bit lighter so we can go a little bit further. So, God, we could trust you with our life every moment, every event. Nothing is wasted. So, God, I thank you for using the Herods and the Egypts of our life to get us exactly where you want us to be. I thank you for what you did on the cross, God, that your birth started. God, I thank you for the perfect life that you lived. I thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross. I thank you for your resurrection. And God, I thank you for the grace that that unlocked. So now we're not shunned away or condemned for what we've walked through, but instead, God, we can find hope in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.